0: We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. Now, here's your host, Doug Parker. All right,
1: welcome back to... Radio. This is your host, Doug Parker, and today we're going to be talking to Pam Goodwin. Pam's interest in entrepreneurship started whenever she was four years old with her first venture, a lemonade stand. Then she worked in her family's poultry business and ultimately was a tenant coordinator and project manager for several large shopping centers where they developed more than 50 pad sites for Brinker International. Some of you might know it as Chili's. After uh, you know, just kind of getting tired of just making money for other people, Pam decided to open her own company. Goodwin Commercial in 2006, and really what distinguishes her from others in her field is she has a long history of successfully guiding local and national clients like Walgreens and McDonald's and Chase, just to name a few, into their commercial real estate acquisitions. Pam has written and published two books, and she's a number one best-selling author on Amazon and the creator of a four-part audio real estate course. Pam was also selected as a southwest woman of influence by the editors of real estate forum in her free time she loves traveling cheering for her alumni football team the nebraska corn huskers watching her two boys as they play basketball uh, she enjoys living in texas with her husband eric and her two teenage sons grant and garrett welcome to the show ma'am. what did i miss
2: I think you covered it. It's so great to finally be on your show. I am a huge fan of your ambitious radio show, Doug. So it is an honor for me to be with on your show today.
1: Well, I appreciate that so much. It's it's always good to have listeners that, that tune in. And, and, you know, you reached out to me, and I think you have something very unique that you bring to the table. And, and we're going to get into all the different things that you're doing and, and how you're helping folks. And I know you're tied in with Ziggler, which is some of the things over the years I've been tied in with. So I'm just really I'm excited about having you on the show and learning from you myself. So let's just talk about you a little bit, kind of get to know you. I mean, where are you from? I know you just talked about the lemonade stand. You know, when you were four years old, and you know, was that something that you did for a summer, or was that just a little small project? You know, where, where did you get started there?
2: I know growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, my grandfather and my father were entrepreneurs and owned their own poultry business. So I feel like I have been, you know, working since I was four years old and really learning from them of how to start a business, how to engage your customers, how to stand out in business. I mean, when you're with my grandfather in Omaha, people still to this day will bring up to me how they used to bring their grandparents used to bring their live chickens to my grandfather's poultry place in the middle of the city by the packing house, bring their chickens in and provide the customer service for them at that time. That, that was definitely fresh poultry back then. So I, I grew up with entrepreneurs. Absolutely.
1: So now you grew up in, in Omaha, Nebraska, and you know that's uh, you know I guess it, it's 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 a kind of metropolitan area for Nebraska. But then now you're down in the Dallas area now, right? Right. So and we've been living here for 20 years now. For 20 years. So what brought you to the Dallas area?
2: Well, after I left Omaha, I was offered a position for a big, large shopping center with a Han company at the time, based in San Diego, and they actually relocated me from. Omaha to Baltimore, which I worked on a large, you know, four-level mall expansion. And then from that, I decided to move across country to Los Angeles (laughs) at that time, working on different projects. And then the Northridge earthquake happened in 1994, and a company based here in Dallas called MEPC Shopping Centers had just purchased it 30 days before the earthquake. And I worked on that project. And then after that, they moved me to Dallas. They thought it would be a short time. And we've been here for 20 years. It's a great place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm from Texas. And so I, I have no need to go anywhere else because this is as good as it gets here, right? But as far as I'm concerned anyway. But um, so it sounds like a lot of the projects that you did in have done in real estate are more the commercial side of things, right?
2: Right. It's always been 100% shopping centers, retail. I've always focused on retail, I guess, because, you know, being a young teenage girl in in Omaha, you know, we had no mountains or beach similar to Texas here. So the thing we had to do was always go shopping. So I've always been a hundred percent retail.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, as it relates to, um, you know, the, all those transitions you know, let's talk about obstacles for a minute. So, what type of obstacles, you know, during those transitions, I mean, you have moved from uh, from Omaha to Baltimore to California to Texas, and there was different transitions, but can you talk about maybe uh, one obstacle that has, has stood out over the years to you, and then how you kind of transitioned and, and overcame that?
2: Sure. Uh, I've always been on the project management side, which means, working inside construction which means wearing a hard hat. So overcoming a field even today in commercial real estate being in a field primarily with males and so at the time it seemed an obstacle you know for a female to be in in that industry but definitely once you've proven yourself and gained credibility you know those obstacles go away.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I've often said that, you know, performance buys freedom in a, in a lot of different ways. And so whenever you jump in and you prove that you can do stuff, it, it buys you a little bit more runway to, to prove yourself a little bit more. Now, um, you know, so you said you're always kind of, kind of wearing a hard hat. So was it, you know, you're on the, on the construction side of things or there was construction going on and then you're on the uh, managing those projects. And so um, are people reporting to you? I mean, what was that experience like on a, on a practical basis?
2: It was when the large shopping centers, the, the one, you know, for instance, in Baltimore was a, a new expansion, which required a lot of new retail tenants opening. So I was right directly at the mall overseeing, I think, a, you know, maybe about 150 new retail tenants opening up. So that required, you know, wearing a hard hat and being inside the mall until the grand opening and so, my first part of my career was always large shopping center development, construction, reviewing architectural plans, and and overseeing that process. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you know,
1: as you you know focus on growing, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the things that you do to improve yourself and and grow as an entrepreneur?
2: Well, now, you know, having my own business now for. next month it'll be 11 years, but you have to continue to network and continue to get out there in front of people. So I'm always learning. I I think they say, you know, they say the more you learn, the more you earn. So every day, even in this business, being in it now for going on this year to be 30 years, I'm still learning every single day. And I have to research, you know, research, thank goodness for the internet that it's a lot easier to you know, look up to see what companies are doing or listening to the public companies, listening to where their growth is going to be.
1: Gotcha. Well, and and, you know, one of the things, you know, you constantly got to be learning because in reinventing yourself, I I was actually posting something on Facebook a little bit earlier, earlier today with, um, we had a, a previous guest on episode 51, Nadia Zeksimbaya, and she is a, a chief reinvention officer. That's what she does, and she, you know, helps people reinvent themselves. But you have to constantly be learning because the world is changing. And I, I read something the other day that you, you constantly every, you know, I think it's like five to seven years you need to be kind of reinventing yourself. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're, you know, likely to become irrelevant. And so nobody wants to be irrelevant. Um, so that's good that you continue to learn. And I, and I like that analogy of the more you learn, the, you know, the more you earn. Now. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you, but I like to ask, uh, ask this question from time to time. So, um, you know, is there anything that you can think of in the past five years, maybe 10 years, uh, maybe even more that, you know, you were kind of like, this is how it is. And then with a little bit more learning or a little bit more education or knowledge on something, you've kind of changed your mind, either pivoted or, or maybe are diametrically opposed to, um, to to that belief.
2: Well, I, I guess what that is a curveball. Curveball, but I guess what what really comes to mind is, you know, you you always feel, you know, with your career that you're comfortable doing something for a long time, and not until you get uncomfortable is when things start changing. And with me having my own business, I've always had business partners when we develop property. But last year decided it was always the financial part I always left up to my other partners to take care of, which means if they're handling the financial part, they're taking out that part of the ownership of the property. So I finally decided to learn that part of it and go into banks myself, asking for loans to, you know, our private lenders, and which has really, really changed. I guess everybody has fear, and it was fear of not knowing you know, what to do on how to, how to get the financial for the properties. And once I did, it's, you know, it was a lot easier than I thought to get.
1: You <laughs> so. know, well, no, that's, that's a good thing because, you know, in, in the past you kind of delegated it out to someone else and, and we're fearful of that. And, and, it shows kind of how as an entrepreneur, you know, you start looking at things in a little different way. Is that something that you can do? And, and obviously you decide you can and it's a it's a profitable thing. Sometimes it's better to delegate and elevate. And then sometimes you realize that there are things that you're throwing money away by having someone else do because you can effectively do it. And, and so that's something where. Uh, it makes a, makes a whole lot of sense, and, and it really is, you know, great, great information that, that you're sharing with us. And, you know, kind of as we uh, wrap up uh, this segment, we'll jump into here in just a moment uh, a little bit more with Pam Goodwin um, as we get back to the Ambitious Radio Network, and we'll discuss her career pursuits and uh, what's next here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Alright, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and we've got Miss Pam Goodwin with us today. And she is a real estate expert but really specializes in commercial real estate. She's a published author, a number one best-selling author on Amazon. So really just doing lots of great things. And you know, let's talk just a little bit about how you currently monetize your efforts. I know we talked about you're in the commercial real estate space, but how do you generate your revenue now as, as a business owner?
2: So there's primarily three different ways that for that we monetize you know the number one thing we do is develop property so we actually buy property and then lease it to the national restaurants or retailers but as we know that takes it can take sometimes a year to two years before you start seeing that rent and revenue come in so we also do tenant brokerage where we represent tenants or we will represent People who actually own property and some of them want to team up so we're also a full you know Texas brokerage firm and then the third way is consulting we are consulting on how to you know we have some national tenants that may need to get a taller sign or fight City Hall on something so they'll hire our firm to help them you know either you know on that consulting basis or they need a development partner And then I I guess I could add a fourth. Lately, we are really into um, speaking and really sharing our knowledge of what we've learned on helping other people that are interested in getting into commercial real estate or developing property for cash flow. You know,
1: and and that brings up a a really interesting point because a long time ago, I've always been a a guy that kind of is a vision guy as far as, you know, kind of casting my vision and and dreaming and doing, you know, wanting to do big things, and and I've had an opportunity to do some things. I remember back when I was probably 20, I had this dream of wanting to have like a strip center that had maybe four or six, you know, 1,500 square foot, you know, um, spaces in it, and maybe have like a donut place, a dry cleaners, you know, like the normal stuff you see. And my thoughts were, you know, hey, I own the real estate, maybe I have a part ownership in the businesses. And, you know, that they, they generate enough uh, revenue from the businesses I'm part of to pay for the place. And then I have another couple of spaces that I lease out to someone else. And it didn't actually fall into place like that. I bought a twenty six thousand square foot building and I have one tenant in myself. But, um, you know, there's there's always these different you know things that you have. You put them out there. But the reason why I bring that up is because I I used to think, you know, everybody that I know that has money has some real estate. Now, not everybody has made it from real estate, but they have some of it. And it seemed to be a common denominator there. And so, you know, when you and I were kind of talking in one of the pre-show Uh, kind of meetings you you had mentioned that a lot of people look at real estate as kind of the flipping houses or or maybe um, you know just buying houses and renting them out or whatever but that the commercial side of things is is really kind of uh, what you've put your focus on and and you feel like that's a, a great direction to go so can you talk about the dynamics of why you prefer the the larger commercial stuff as opposed to the the residential
2: Right. And I just with commercial real estate, you know, you have typically dealing with national tenants and they usually take the emotion out of when they're, you know, when they're actually your tenant. But it's so nice when you actually own a property. A lot of people don't understand that you can put a piece of property under contract for as little as, you know, three or five thousand dollars to put the property down. I mean, we owned a piece of well we didn't even own it we actually put a piece of property down under contract you know i think we, maybe it was three thousand dollars and then discount discount tires came by and wanted to buy it from us so we just cl- you know bought it and closed on it the exact same day for you know of course a higher price but i think everybody can get into commercial real estate people think everything is over a million dollars and that's just not the case and you can find a lot of property in your area if you go on loopnet.com, you know, pull up that and you can find a you know, property at all different prices.
1: Now this loopnet.com, let's talk about that for a minute because I'm not I'm not familiar with that. Is that kinda like an MLS or something, but for commercial instead of residential?
2: Right. So Loopnet is where everybody places their all of their commercial listings that are available for sale or for lease. And it's I, I use it all the time. I have it downloaded on my phone. So when I'm in an area, it pops up everything. I mean, I, I'm always looking for, you know, land or buildings for sale and it'll pop it up and tell you the contact information right there.
1: Gotcha. That makes that makes perfect sense. You know, I this is why I actually love doing this show is because I I'm taking copious notes here. I'm going through everything, and I continue to learn from this. And so as long as I'm learning, I'm gonna keep doing the show. I, I hope everybody else is learning from it as well. And uh, but it, I really do get great nuggets of information. Now we talked a little bit about some of the fears that you had had in the past. You know, with you know, going after, um, you know, kind of in a male-dominated environment and then also a little bit with stepping out on the financing and and some of that. Are there any other things that come to mind that just over the years have been a fear for you? I know you said you grew up in kind of an entrepreneurial environment, but whenever you decided, was it uh, maybe 2006, whenever you opened up your own own, uh, brokerage or, or what have you, were there any fears that you had leading up to that or was it just like a natural progression for you?
2: And I, I, I just I remember the transition of, you know, working for a large, you know, one of the largest restaurant companies in the world, which was a fabulous company to work for. But I just knew that, you know, working corporate America every single day, you know, it, it's pretty tough. And I can honestly say, you know, having my own business now, I cannot wait until Monday gets there. I mean, every day kind of blends in you know, making my own time schedule, especially, you know, having kids, it's just a great occupation to have. But yeah, as far as fear, it, as an entrepreneur, you feel, you know, I, I, I'm unemployed every single day, which is probably a fear. So I have to get out there and hustle and make my own business every day.
1: You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up those points because those, those are significant in that you know, imp- unemployed every single day, you know, you, you know, and then also that you can't wait until Monday and, you know, that working for corporate America every day is tough. Because he- here's what I see with the entrepreneurs, let's call them, okay? They really want to be an entrepreneur, but they haven't jumped out there and made it happen yet. And, you know, one of the things I was reading on uh, Damon Johns, you know, the, the, the Shark Tank guy. You know, he, he talked about people that they go cash out their 401k, you know, they've got, I'm making a number up, but, you know, a couple hundred grand, they've saved their life savings, they're in their late 40s, early 50s, and they're going to go out and be an entrepreneur, and they take their nest egg, and they blow it, and they go into work 40 hours a week somewhere else, and they blow through their savings, and then they're, you know, they don't have anything, and... You know, what he recommended was, you know, you get out there and you hustle. You work your eight-hour day, and then you go work another six or eight hours on what you want to do for your entrepreneurial gig. And then when you get it making enough money where it's self-sustaining and it's making money and making more money than you're making as your day job, then you can jump out and, and be an entrepreneur. But, you know, because some people, they, they, they just don't want to work, you know, working in corporate America being tough, they just don't want to work the nine to six hours. They want to work when they want to work. And, and sometimes they don't realize that as an entrepreneur, like you said, you're unemployed every day, you get up, nobody's telling you what to do, and if you don't make it happen and sell something or cause some activity to happen, you're not getting a paycheck either. And while you do have some freedom, uh, there's nobody to delegate it to and, and those kind of things sometimes. So that those are fantastic points that you brought up there and, and really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, let me ask you this. If you could go back in life at any point in your life and give yourself one piece of advice. Um, What would it be? At what point in your life, you know, were you and kind of what would that be?
2: I know going back, uh, probably, you know, writing a book, which I highly recommend to everyone and so when I, one day I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Zig Ziglar, and he actually came up to me, I mean, I went up to him and then he asked me that first thing, have you written a book? And I said, no, not yet. And he said, that's my number one advice to you, go write a book, and, and I did. And I can, I, w- I want to share that to the audience, you know, everyone should write a book.
1: You know that is something I absolutely talked about vision a little bit earlier. I, I'm looking at my vision board right now in my office, and I have on there um, a book that I'm 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 putting together. And you know, writing a book, I think it's in a way it could be therapeutic. It, it can share with others. It puts something down in you know for. Uh, you know, all the years to come as, as well. So now real quick, uh, we've got maybe a minute left in this segment. Can you tell us, you know, I know you've got a couple books. Can you, can you tell us about uh, really just like maybe the titles of those two books and and what they're about?
2: Sure. The, The first book is that I did was one cent lemonade to million dollar deals, 25 jobs and 25 lessons I wish I learned sooner. And I had the great opportunity to have Barbara Corcoran, do my testimonial on the cover. So I'm very excited about that. And that that one just talks about the ruts, guts, and shortcuts to success. It's really lessons. You know, when you ask me what I wish I would have done sooner, I wish I knew a lot of this information. And I break down 25 of the jobs, which is anything from lemonade to delivering newspaper, you know, all of the different jobs I've had so that, you know, you can have the competitive edge or knowing you know how to break all the rules or being your own boss so it it it's really gives some valuable tips and then the second book I did uh, was the winning ways in commercial real estate and we actually did that with um, 17 other women in commercial real estate primarily all here from Texas each person so if you you feel like you can't write an entire book Each one of these did one chapter talking about their story of how they were able to get into commercial real estate and, uh, you know, some really, really good stories. And both of these books are on Amazon.
1: Well, cool. We'll put those in the show notes as we always do. And I appreciate you sharing those with us. And one last thing, uh, do you have any books in addition to yours that you might recommend?
2: I, I have an entire huge library of books, but, One of my favorites is if you don't have big breasts, put ribbons on your pigtails, and other lessons I learned from my mom, which is written by Barbara Corcoran. So that's one of my books. And another person I follow, I think a lot of people mention on your show, is Grant Cardone and a guy named Jack Daly. Any of the people that are, you know, have done that and in sales, any tips that you can learn is always valuable to, to I read every single day. So pick up a book, paragraph, chapter. I have more books, so <laughs> great way to learn.
1: I, I got you. I got them running out of my ears, and sometimes you know I don't get all the way through them, and I'll try to listen to them if if you know if I can't read them. And and I like you. I mean, I really enjoy having that information. And the you know the great thing, whether it's a Grant Cardone or um, you know Barbara Corcoran, there's a lot of fundamentals that are out there that you will hear them. The fundamentals presented. Slightly differently, but the same fundamentals, and so it gets to you know reinforce it, and you know you hear all these different things over and over again, and they, they start to sink in. So as as you uh, mentioned, they highly recommend you know reading, listening, and continuing to, to get better at things. And this is really great stuff for our ambitious listeners. We've got Miss Pam Godwin with a good one with us here today. And uh, if you like what you hear, you can text by subscribing the word ambitious to six nine nine two two standard messaging rate supply See the website for full details. Next, we're going to be talking more to Miss Pam about the things that she's doing right now and what's next right here on the Ambitious Radio Network.
3: Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs Get the answers, and if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. All right, we're back with...
1: Ken Goodwin, and I will tell you what, I'm enjoying it. I'm getting lots of great nuggets out of this interview, and I know our listeners are as well. And what we want to jump into next is, is really how you determine what's next. You know, I, I know you're a, a published author. Um, you've you've been an entrepreneur for over a decade. And, you know, how do you transition through making those decisions? What does that decision-making process look like? Because as an entrepreneur, you know, you can do just about anything you want to. You don't have a boss, you know, telling you you have to do this and that. So how do you go through your daily basis of decision-making on what's the next project to work on?
2: I know because I probably, like most entrepreneurs, have that shiny – bright object syndrome and can get completely distracted. So I've learned from the experts that you you really have to time block your schedule and know what's important, you know, and everybody used to tell you especially during this time, you know, to write down your goals and probably years ago I'd write down 20 30 goals, but now I'm focused on primarily just one, two, three goals and I have to really just focus on blocking the time to make sure what's important. And I put, you know, the top money makers at the top.
1: So let's talk about time blocking. I mean, so I, I hear you say that now, but what do you mean by that? How do you practically apply that? And what does a time block look like?
2: Well, I I know pretty much between 9 and 12 o'clock is, the, you know, the best time to make the phone calls at that time is what I really spend, you know, making up those phone calls and then primarily the other half of the day or a couple hours of the day is looking for new development projects to do in which we always seem to find hidden opportunities. For example, visiting the dry cleaners, letting him know that his location would be a much better fast food spot than his dry cleaners, asking him if he would ever consider selling. So always looking for opportunities to you know, figure out what to focus
1: on. Perfect. Now that that makes a lot of sense. And now you you bring up another interesting point. So you know, entrepreneurs. You know, imagine a successful entrepreneur that's running a dry cleaners, and you know they think they're doing good and doing their thing. And then you roll up in there and you're like, Hey, look, your place would be a better restaurant than a dry cleaners. Would you be interested in selling it? So that's a bold move. You know, they may have been there for a while, and um, but you know you have to you have to be bold about things. So do you, do you just roll, you just walk in and and say, Hey, who's the owner? And, and Hey, I think this is the situation. Or what does that look like?
2: Right. So always, I, I, I mean, I do know that the owner is the one typically a lot of the times bringing out your clothes. So, you know, just asking him, handing over your card. I mean, to me in this business, you know, you have to be fairly persistent or in a nice way. And it, it took several meetings to show him on a performa on what he could, you know, possibly make off of the establishment. And it turns out that he actually has considered relocating. So now we just got the, you know, listing and going forward with that. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I look forward to hearing how that goes
1: because, you know, with entrepreneurs, you know, it's really looking for things that are out there. And and some people, I, I use kind of the analogy of they have pain and they don't even know it. You know, they've just gotten used to the numbness of it because it's what they've been going through for so long. But you can go through and show them how there is a little bit of pain. And it might be that the pain is it's a dry cleaners that, you know, they're they're making whatever money they're making. But if they sold their property, they can, you know, cash out. A big lump sum and have enough money to relocate and, um, and not struggle. And, there, and there's, there's people that are, that have their businesses that are struggling along, but you present it and it opens it up for them just because you were bold about what you're doing. So that's, that's, that's great, great stuff. Now, let me, let me kind of jump into a, a couple of things. Now, on the, on the writing a book. So, you know, you're talking to Zig and Zig says, hey, you should write a book. Now, um, mm-hmm. so somebody drops a, a, a nugget on you like that, and, you know, you listen and, um, how did you go about writing your first book? What did that process look like, and um, how long did it take you? And it was that the one that was you wrote a chapter, or was that a different? Was that the other book?
2: It, it was the first book, the one cent lemonade million dollar deal. So the the process was once I kind of figured out what I wanted to write on, I just did a, a quick summary of each topic, and then I actually. Um, Got online to find out what the next steps were, and hired a company as a, you know, kind of a ghostwriter to help put it, in, you know, some chapters for you in the format for you. And they ended up, I hired a person called the Writing Genie, and they actually helped walk me through the entire process, and it was a great way to go. Then the fear came in of once you're ready to hit the OK button for it to be published, <laughs> you're hoping there's not a misspelled word or grammar or anything, and then you completely have to get over that fear and figure even the national big-time sellers have errors. So, <laughs> um, but it you can actually just you can actually finish a book probably definitely within six months. I mean, it really should not take you any longer than that. Gotcha.
1: And, and and is that another time blocking deal that you just carved out X, you know, X amount of time every day or because I've heard about this, you know, writer's block where you kind of get going and then it's like you, nothing's happening and you got to stimulate your mind or something. How, how, how was that rhythm for you?
2: Right. So, yeah, just writing a little bit at a time here and there. But, yeah, just taking the time a couple times a week at least to do that and i i really believe in with your first book getting help on it if not it, it will take you years and years i mean i have friends and i've given them recommendations on people that can help them walk them through the process and help them you know with those when it comes to a block of and and they will definitely help you with that and keep you accountable to get it done gotcha and this writing
1: genie that you mentioned now is that like a is it like the writing genie.com or you just can you google it and and get more information
2: right there's I actually if you I use the company they've changed the name but it's now called upwork up work you know work.com and they can help you with anything from book covers to graphics to web pages to writing a book to ghost writers to anything because I had done my research on it, and there's, you know, had other publishers, but they can get pretty expensive. Okay. And and going on Upwork to help you get your book done. I have a local person here now, though. After that, I would highly recommend her to help you. If you want to write a book, I could, you know, get her contact information, because she's the one I would definitely hire for my next book to walk you through the whole process and get it done within, I think it's a ten week process. Oh, okay. Very
1: good. Very good. Well that's that's some great information. I'm sure there's lots of entrepreneurs listening today that have, you know, their story to, to share and you know, just to get through that process of writing a book, becoming a published author, it you know, it it, it adds to your resume. It, it does all kinds of cool stuff. And so, we got a, a couple minutes left in this segment, and I, I really want to talk about this upcoming you know seminar that you have. That is, um, you know, with the with Ziegler, and I know that that Julie is uh, you know part of that as well. Um, and it's going to be it's called um, let's see here, Women Building Wealth. Uh, Learn to Win in Life and Real Estate. And then you're going to have a lot of experts, uh, industry experts there. It's going to be on February the 11th from 9 a.m. until noon. So can you tell us a little bit about where it's going to be held and what can be expected in some of the speakers?
2: Sure. It's going to be, like you said, on February 11th from 9 a.m. until 12, so three hours, at the Ziegler, Inc. headquarters, which they've just relocated to a new location at 15400 noel trail and it's actually on eventbrite if you want to sign up but we're going to have four speakers julie Ziegler, who helped her father around the world and was his editor of 25 books she's talking on being financially fearless i will be talking about commercial real estate zero to one million with one deal so how to make a million dollars on one deal we um, will be talking on prime for profit, single family investments. So if you think a large commercial project is too large, you can start with single family homes. And then we have Heather, who will be talking on if you're interested in buying multifamily, which is a really hot market in Texas today. So we just really, really, you know, life, tra- you know, things happen in life and trying to support women so that you know, you don't have to live or work until you die or, you know, people go through divorce or people go through spouses passing away. And how do you, you know, financially secure yourself? And we think real estate, we want to just show you some examples of how you can buy real estate and have that cash flow.
1: Sure. That makes a whole lot of sense. And, you know, uh, as we had talked, like I said, in the in the pre-show, you know, so many people look at the, um, you know, residential stuff and you know the smaller stuff but there's you know there's about the same amount of work in the the commercial from what i understand and whether it's the residential in the multifamily you know that's also kind of a similar amount of work you just have to um strategically go through it and, and put it together so that's great information for our listeners and after we hear a brief word from our sponsors we'll be right back on the ambitious radio network talking more to Pam goodwin
3: The RepairMyCreditNow.com story.
0: It's a day this family had dreamed up for quite some time. They were finally getting that brand new SUV. The salesperson at the auto dealership gave them the keys and told them to take it for the weekend. He'd prepared the documents and called them Monday morning. The kids had already installed the headrest DVD when the phone rang. Seems there was a problem with their credit they were unaware of. They'd have to return the SUV to the dealership immediately. Embarrassing
1: RepairMyCreditNow.com
2: RepairMyCreditNow.com www.RepairMyCreditNow.com
1: All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network. It's hard to believe, I mean, the time just flies by, that we are on the last segment, but we are. And so we've got this good one for the day. And uh, Pam, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a great show today. I know. Thanks again, Doug, for having me. Sure. Well, so let's let's talk a little bit. I mean, I, like I said, I know you're a published author, you're an entrepreneur. You got kids. You're spring events. You're doing this. You're married. Um, you're. I mean, and, and you know, all it can you know can drain people. I mean, all that ambition at some point you got mm-hmm. you got to rest. And so, your daily rhythm and you know how you recharge your ambitious body, mind, and spirit. What does an average day look like for you? What time do you get up? And 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 how do you get your day started?
2: I know. I'm actually in an early riser, so. Like this morning, I think I was up about 540, but definitely usually up by 6 a.m. before you know the husband and kids get up so I can start getting organized. I find that's an excellent way when I get to check my social media and check my emails so I don't have to do that a lot during the day. But then once I drive the boys to school, they're in high school, about to drive themselves here soon. But um, once I get back to my office, I spend the rest of the day, you know, on the top priorities, my top goals of the day, and pretty much finish up by, you know, at least five o'clock. Back picking them up, dinner, grocery shopping, all that stuff. Throwing some exercise at least in there every day. I have to at least go walk and run. And yoga is a great way.
1: Now, do you have that like scheduled in? Is that like a must-have, no matter what, or is it if I've got time for it, then I do a walk or or some exercise or some yoga?
2: No, I I definitely have to fill that in every single day, some format of exercise. So, and definitely, th- that's a that's a plan thing. Somehow, you may even see me. <laughs> I have to doing some squats or something, even while I'm cooking. <laughs> so, <laughs> trying to fit it in sometime. but it definitely isn't. You no,
1: know, hey, and it's, it's interesting, you know, last week we ha- had Billy Dumas on the show. You know, he's the, uh, you know, the, the host of Entrepreneur on Fire, and and he's just, you know, one of the biggest in podcasts in the world. And, um, you know, he was talking about in the morning, OPA, other people's agenda. He's like, hey, I block it out. So kind of a little different than you. He gets up in the morning, gets going and doesn't check any any social media, nothing to do with anybody else's agenda. He just focuses on himself. So whether it be exercise, you know, kind of meditating, getting his daily rhythm going. And I like you, you know, <laughs> I'm guilty of like rolling out of bed and pulling out my phone, and, like blowing out whatever emails are in there and looking to see if I need to respond to anything. And, um, I've tried to change up that rhythm a little bit, but I'm not I don't quite have <laughs> it down yet because it's kind of almost addicting. you know, you want to see what's going on, what do you have to re- you know respond to and 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 it kind of, you know, his thought process was it's not likely that anything's gonna explode or whatever just because I wait an hour or two to check my my uh, my emails. And so that's something that I'm looking forward to cuz I like you also. I mean, I will literally be getting ready in the morning and like brushing my teeth and I'm like I may do a couple squats, you know, 10 a set of 10 or something cuz I'm like, "Hey, I'm trying to multitask here." <laughs> and uh, I've got some perfect push-ups in the office where, you know, every once in a while, you know, a couple times a day, you know, I'll just put my feet in the chair and and do a couple uh, you know, couple sets of push-ups because I'm just trying to get, you know, squeeze time from somewhere and I don't have time to go to the gym, get sweaty, you know, spend an hour or two round trip on exercise and all that I just I just can't find time to do that but um, you know and and mine's not scheduled mine is just kind of catch as catch in see if hopefully I can get you know one or two or three of those types of things in a day just to keep me from being you know crazy unhealthy so I I know that's a a crazy thing with uh, with entrepreneurs so now when you when you talk about you get up at at 540 or up by six pretty much every morning and then you've got your daily activities you're doing all that so what time do you go to sleep at night?
2: I am definitely definitely in bed early, at least watching TV, so definitely by 9.30 or 10, and I'm pretty much lights out by 10.30. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I'm the first in my household to, it's kind of a joke in my household, but I have always been an early riser and an early, early to bed person.
1: Absolutely. Well, it looks like so that that, based upon my my rough math there, it looks like you're probably getting seven to eight, maybe even nine hours of sleep sometimes. So uh, that's that's very healthy. I mean, I hear about these guys and gals that get four or five hours of sleep. and I don't know how the heck they do it because I got to have some sleep myself. But, um, you know, that's that's good. Now, when it comes to like a a work life balance, do you feel like uh, as an entrepreneur that you have a work life balance? Do you have that kind of figured out or, or do you think it's it's uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs that it's kind of always flirting with the the edge there
2: no I I feel like I mean I feel like I mean I definitely feel like I have it under control because I've created that I mean I always feel bad when I hear somebody you know not being able to take a day off because they don't have any more vacation time and I if I want to go get my hair done like yesterday at 12 I can and not feel guilty about it and that's you know being in corporate America I felt guilty about everything leaving early wanting to take more time off and now that's one less stress thing of not having to to worry about that but I feel like I I pretty much have it down pretty well now hopefully you know things are moving pretty smoothly right now
1: good 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 well that's that's great and and you know it's it's something to strive for definitely as an entrepreneur now I'll throw one more curveball at you so you know it's been about 10 years or so since you first you know became an entrepreneur you left the corporate world let's say the first um maybe 18 to 24 months after you started your company what was that like was it was there a a balance there or was it a grind uh for for a while
2: well, thank, thank goodness, and I and I would advise this to people if you're thinking about starting a business, I actually teamed up with someone in commercial real estate for the full, you know first four years to help me get on my feet and get started, and that was a, a big benefit to be able to learn from him as my mentor for the first four years to, to really help out. So if you're thinking about leaving corporate, you may want to Maybe not so much partnership, but teaming up with somebody that can help you, you know, leap in right away that already has established business and you can get going and start making money right away.
1: That's great advice. Always, you know, seek other people that have experience with stuff <laughs> and, you know, can give you guidance. You know, it's 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 so important, uh, the people that you surround yourself by. You know, Jim Rohn used to say the the five people you surround yourself by, you become the average of those. In Proverbs, it talks about a... Um, uh, a wise, uh, you know, when, when you, he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And when you're in business, you know, it, it affects so many other things. And if your business isn't going well, You know, typically the income's not going well and, you know, so many divorces and fights are caused over money. And so, you know, it's really good idea to get around some wise people with your business transactions to make sure you keep everything in line. So, well, as, as we wrap up here, Ms. Pam, let's say that somebody wanted to engage with you. Let's say that they want to come to the event and we will put a link on, on, on there, but maybe they wanted to ask you a question or two. Are you social? Are you out there on the social media or email? How's the best way to communicate with you?
2: Yeah, I would please definitely i'm very very social on linkedin I, I just passed which i'm excited about 10,000 connections on linkedin i'm in you know on that every single day so please connect with me at pam goodwin on linkedin i'm also on facebook also on twitter and please feel free to give me a call my cell phone number is 214-929-9013 i'd be happy you know, if you're interested in getting into commercial real estate, I can definitely guide you in that direction. Or please feel free to email me at pam at pamgoodwin dot com.
1: Cool. Well, I'll tell you what. We will get all of this packed into the show notes when you go to ambitiousradio.com. And and once again, Pam, I want to thank you for coming on. I love you know learning new things and and stuff that's a little bit different. We've had some real estate people on in the past, but but you know you have really shared some great information, and and we'll get all this uploaded onto the site so that. As people are listening to this, they can, you know, go to those links and make it happen. And hopefully the event that you guys are having over at the uh, uh, Ziggler's place, uh, it'll just be a a great event. I do see that it says seats are limited. So make sure, guys, if you are interested, it does say that you can call for more info at 214-929-9013, which happens to be pam's telephone number so i'm looking at the form here and i just saw that as i jotted it down so yeah give her a call uh get uh get out there and and check that out and tune in on saturdays and yes i did say saturdays now because our show has changed the saturdays to ambitious radio where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations remember you can make money or you can make excuses but Mm -hmm. you cannot make both so go out there and be ambitious
0: Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.